Well, I can't forget this evening and your face when you were leaving. But I guess that's just the way the story goes. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow shows. Yes, it shows. Hello, and welcome to a very somber Raiders review with Blake well, and Paul. I'm the Paul. I'm Blake, and it's it's a hard time to be a Raider. It's hard time to bleed green. It's a hard time to believe. Thank God for Parramatta. Thank God for Parramatta. <laughs> Thank God for Parramatta. My other team, my original team. Uh, there you go. I don't follow them that closely um, these days, but yeah, pre-Raiders, I was a, a Eel supporter. What team did you support? As it happens, Parramatta. Well, there you go. Mm, mm. But, I mean, that was... that. All changed in 1982 when my mother bought me a best and less version of the original lime green jumper and uh, I wore it and uh, one way or another found myself having an allegiance to this team that lost all the time and uh, I've been bleeding green ever since and it's, uh, although there have been lower ebbs in this one right now, the 1991 salary cap uh, debacle, the uh, 1992 season as a result of that, uh, the crashing out of the finals in '95. Um, Last days of David Ferner. That was a that was a pretty bleak yeah, period. Yeah, it was a pretty bleak period. Especially as I liked Dave Ferner a lot. He was a really nice guy. I was actually shocked when um, when he was let go because, you know, and th- th- that was a time when you had had club senior club figures coming out and saying David Ferner's a good bloke and he yeah. grew up down the road from me and we could lose a hundred games in a row and we still wouldn't sack him. Yeah, and. I really struggle with that as a fan because you kind of that reeks of an organisation yep. which is prepared to accept mediocrity. Yeah. Yep. So once Ricky was appointed and uh, the purse strings were open, mm. and you know he got he got a lot more money mm. to spend on the football department than David Ferner ever had. Um, you know, it looked as though we were entering an exciting new era, and we were, and we are, and this is the thing: the purse strings were open, but not. An incredible amount. What we need to remember here, people, is that the issue that the Raiders are facing now is an issue that lots of sides face when they get a few injuries, and that is depth. Now, 2016 was a perfect storm of depth for the Canberra Raiders. It was a perfect storm of depth because Ricky Stewart had actually recruited very wisely. The picking up of Josh Hodgson, Cia Soliola, um, and Blake Austin at that stage was, what are you doing? But they all turned out very well. On top of that... In 2016, long came Aiden Caesar on a good contract and played very good football. On top of that, Parramatta ran into their salary cap issues, had to offload some players, and all of a sudden, pre-June 30, a man called Junior Paulo turns up in the side. Yeah. And then you have a scenario where you can actually have, not on the bench, but in the Mounties, Paul Vaughan, Sean Fensom, and Sam Williams sitting there putting pressure on the other players to come back. We didn't have injuries and all these things were working out. It was a perfect run until the final against Melbourne where Joey did his hamstring and Jared Croker did his knee. And that was the first sign we had of bad injuries. And the thing is, because they did so well, the prices of all those players got driven up and naturally they go, Ricky Stewart didn't want to lose Paul Vaughan. He had to let him go. He had to make a choice. Some people might argue with the choice that he made, but he had to make a choice. He couldn't keep all three of those forwards. He couldn't afford to keep all three on the money they were... You know, was Sean Fenson really going to stand there? 
I mean, who wouldn't want Sean Fensom coming into that back row at the present moment to tackle? Everyone would. Everyone would love to see yeah. Sean Fensom out there. Well, he, he has that sort of that grit and determination that, you know, I think seems to be lacking at the moment. Yeah, well, some, some could say that. So we've got a few things to discuss here. Firstly, the, I was on the hill at Brookvale last Saturday. That must have been grim. It was sad. It was sad. I was sad. Um, and there were a lot of sad people around me. And were you mocked by some sort of there some was, fairly, there was, there fairly was toothless, manly, uh, there manly was, supporters? There was mocking. There was gloating. There was uh, there was one particularly obnoxious Eastern Suburbs supporter who was really getting up us as well. And I had to say he was being awfully cheerful for a bloke his side just got beaten 30 points to six. <laughs> um, but he said, at least we're ahead of you on the ladder. And I said, yeah, but... You know, You've well, also got Cooper Crunk. Uh, you're meant to be premiership <laughs> favourites yeah, exactly. Here. Anyway, I, I digress. So the Brook debacle was pretty bad um, things have gotten worse though since then I mean things were looking bad mm, um, mm, you mm. know on the weekend and, and now we're into the week and, and the whole Jack White and things yeah. happened and that you know couldn't have really happened at a worse time and it's one of those things where just when you think things can't get any worse mm. oh yes they can they can and now we have to remember that these are allegations against Jack White and they have not been proved he is innocent until proven guilty um, and that is the way we have to look at these things. Um, what I would say, though, with all sort of nightclub incidents that happen these days, every nightclub is rammed with surveillance cameras, mm. and so you have to think there's some fairly conclusive video footage one way or another, and so if the police do decide to go ahead and charge him as they are rumoured to be about to do any day now, you'd have to think things are not looking good for Jack. Well, we will see. We will see. I, I personally am a huge Jack fan. He's one of the bright spots in this season of how well he is, in fact, playing at this present stage. So I'd be quite gutted if he got dropped or suspended for any period of time. Um, would be very upset. Talking about being dropped, of course, the big news coming out uh, is that Josh Papali... Papalihi? Papalihi. Yeah. Um, or Papali, as we know him, has been dropped... The most expensive player at the club after Josh Hodgson, the equal Meninga medalist in nineteen in two thousand and sixteen, the only consistent dropped. rep player that we've had, yeah, has been dropped. And you have to say, and one of the mainstays of the side, been in the team yeah. since two thousand and twelve, yeah. Not apart from from our illustrious leader, mm. no one else has really been around for that long at no. all, have they? And 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 this, well, Jack White turned up at that time too. Oh yeah, right. But um, you really have to say that uh, this is this is the loudest message Josh could have. There was no question that um, Daly Cherry Evans and Tom Trebojevic were really targeting that spot with Croker, Williams and Papali on yeah. that side. And I think Ricky is... Said they pretty he was much were James. targeting the whole field though, weren't they? they that <laughs> was a particular spot. There were two things I thought I saw them targeting, and this is from my vantage on the hill without my glasses. Yes. So there was a bit of a Monet impressionist perspective put on this. It looked very much like they were going around Sevilla Havili. They'd figured out something to do with his defence, mm. and they were certainly looking at uh, Croker, Williams and Papali. And I think the very fact that you see Papali getting dropped is where Ricky has decided to lay the... The blame there, but he's looked unfit. He's looked out of shape. Um, he's looked disinterested. He hasn't yeah. bent the line. He's been missing tackles. Um, I think he needs to figure out what he actually wants to do because he's off contract to the end of this season. Well, um, I, I, you know, the thing I would say about all this is the dropping of Blake Austin and now the dropping of Joshua Parley says to me they don't expect either of these two guys to be around next year. 
I mean, it could be the old thing of the coach wants to put a bit of fire in their belly, yada, yada. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that these guys have already checked out and the club thinks, well, if they're going anyway, let's start making plans to move forward without them. Well, in this day and age when contracts really aren't worth the paper they're written on, uh, June 30 is still a long, long way yeah. away. And there is, I mean, we all heard the ridiculous rumour about um, uh, Robbie, Robbie Farrer, Farrer yeah. coming, coming to the Raiders, which was, I think, as heinously trodden on as any rumour I've ever seen. When I first heard it, I, I, it actually came through a source and I thought, oh my God, are they actually doing this? And then to watch the Raiders tread on that one as hard as they could, so no, they're not. And very possibly it's one of those things where Robbie's not playing that his manager was putting out that they were going to well, do that. we have an interesting relationship with Robbie's mar- manager. We do. And uh, Ricky's quite close to Robbie's manager. He is. And if you actually look at a number of the players that did have come here in the past, it's, mm. been, it's been through uh, Mr. Sam... Uh, Ayub. Sam Ayub, yes. Mm. So I think he and Ricky are actually quite, quite close. I mean, Sam Ayub... Um, his name was sort of not held with great love by many Raiders fans mm. as he was the, the Milford's manager and also the manager, although he's not now the manager of um, James Tedesco. Of James Tedesco as well, yeah. Well, look, the way I, I view it, had we kept Milford, had we attracted James Tedesco, we would never have seen Josh Hodgson. And I think Josh Maybe Hodgson... Maybe we, we would have signed Michael Ennis instead and we would have won the premiership in 2016. Yeah. Hypothetically, <laughs> uh, we can put up any sort of things. But this Thursday, this tonight against the Dogs. Well, tonight, wherever you're listening to this, it's tonight from where we're sitting. It's a crunch match versus the Dogs. A crunch match. Um, the Raiders' worst start ever in a season was 1982, their inaugural season, when they lost their first seven matches. Uh, the Raiders really don't want to be losing their first five matches. If there'd be any hope of making the finals. This match has to be won. It just absolutely has to be. A line in the sand has to be done. The job has to be done no matter how gritty, how ugly it is, how revolting it is. This match needs to you be keep, won. Well, you keep on sort of lowering your expectations because two weeks ago it was like, if we don't win this game, we've got no hope of winning the grand final. Now we're like, if we don't win this game, we've got no hope of making the finals. I think, yeah, I think anything... If we, if we finish if we the season... This game, we're red hot favourites for the spoon. Oh, exactly. I mean, the game against Parramatta could be really. <laughs> oh, it, 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 and 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 the one thing we've got is because if we're not going to get the spoon, mm. who is? Yeah, I know. I mean, you look at the spoon favourites at the start of the year. People generally mm. tossed up mm. Warriors. Well, forget about that. They look West great. West Tigers. West Tigers look ain't good. Getting, they ain't getting the spoon. Titans. You know, they had a great win against against the Broncos. Yeah, they seem to be able to win a match, don't they? They obviously yeah. they beat us. Yeah, they did. They did. I watched that match. I didn't enjoy it, but I watched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I, I think the spoon favourites at this present stage, and they're both clubs with players to come back, big players, good players. But Parramatta and the Raiders really have to be looking uh, as hot things for the spoon at this present stage, unless wheels fall off somewhere else. Yeah. Very much so. First and foremost, let's get to our first segments of the evening and the first one is your new segment and it's called Stump the Pock Each week or each segment each time we do the show uh, in this new segment I'm going to ask the Pork a question it's going to be a Raiders trivia related question it's not going to be some 
obscure fact mm -hmm. that I've just plucked out of Google or the internet or some, mm -hmm. you know, old Canberra Times season guide. It's going to be something that I particularly recall mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think, I think you'll probably do quite well at these, mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll find out. So the first question for this week is, in round one, uh, round 21, 1993, the Canberra Raiders recorded their biggest aid of a victory. Mm-hmm. 68-0 versus the Parramatta Eels. Now, mm. apart from the record scoreline, something else incredibly significant happened that game. Do mm. you remember what it was? Yes, I do. I remember the moment very, very clearly. And I remember the deafening silence around Bruce Stadium as the realisation of just what had happened settled in. Ricky Stewart came across to make a meaningless cover tackle on a match that was well and truly won against a player that Gary Belcher had well and truly covered. And in doing so, he snapped his ankle and didn't play another match till the following season. And following that match, the Raiders lost uh, three consecutive matches and were bundled out. The semi season where they were the raging favourites to win, allowing the Broncos to make a run from fifth and win their first yeah. premiership. Yeah, and, you know, that team in many ways, people regard that 1993 side as the best Raiders team of... Of all, but although they didn't, you know, win the premiership. The other thing I was going to ask you in regards to that, do you recall who the player was that came in and replaced Ricky? I do. I remember it very, very well. A, a young, short man with blonde hair called Trevor Shadell. Yes. Came and he was in. never he was never really heard of before that those that those few games mm. and never really heard of her yeah. after that. Really copped a lot. Um, for not being Ricky Stewart, and no one was Ricky Stewart. No. He won the Dally M that year in spite of the fact he missed quite a few matches at the end of the season. Um, he was the standout player, and I think really the error in that side was we had a lot of great players who forgot they were great players and forgot they, they could were so the reliant. They were so, so reliant, reliant on Ricky. And it was and something they didn't do again. Yeah, and it's what made me actually think about that question in that time was, you know, you had that team as great a Raiders team as it was, and you know, you had you still had Laurie Daly there, you still had Mal Meninga there, you still had Bradley Clyde, you still had Steve Wallace, you still had incredible players, mm -hmm. all who have played at the highest level, mm. and they couldn't win without their their mm. main on field leader. Is that a similar circumstance that we're in now? We've lost our great on field leader in Josh Hudson. There look, there are parallels with that. There are parallels with that, but I don't think uh, the current Raiders side is as star-studded as that one was with as many no. accomplished players who played Origin as that one had. Plus, the other thing we need to actually look at within that scenario is that uh, the last three sides they played were the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, who were red hot. Then they played the St. George Illawarra Dragons, who I believe might have got the Mount in Premiership that year, but they were very close yeah. to it and were fantastic. And then they played the Brisbane Broncos, who were one of the great sides we've seen. So the three sides they lost to, there wasn't a lot of, sh you know, like there were sides that losing to, you know, wasn't an appalling thing. It's not, for example, as blowing a 24-6 lead against the Titans. Yep. Yep. Of the defeats we've had so far, which one's been the most painful, would you say, this season? 2018. I mean, you'd have to think the Warriors won. I, the worst thing about the Warriors won was I had my head between my legs with 10 minutes to go knowing it was going to happen. Well, because we've been, you know, we've been in that situation before and now at any point in time, mm. we all know the Raiders can lose from here. The Raiders team knows we can lose from here and worse still, their opposition knows not to give up. Yeah, and you know, they never have to give up. No, because there's, there's still a chance. It's like, it's like the terrible Penrith one in Bathurst, you know. Mm. 
they know we're still in with a shot. Don't give up because as long as there's two minutes on the clock, this Canberra Raiders team can implode. And look, Ricky Stewart said something to me many, many years ago, which I know he, he wants enforced again now. That is when the 18th player must come into play to lift the side. Um, and that's the crowd. And because a lot of us are sitting there so worried, so desperate, so, oh my God, it's not going to happen again, we shut up. The crowd comes out of the game at the exact point when the crowd needs to come in. If we're demanding effort from these players, if we're demanding line speed, if we're demanding good tackling, if we're demanding hard running with the ball, we have to tell them. We have to tell them, not just a little bit, but we have to yell ourselves hoarse because if we don't, it's as much our fault as it is those 17 players on the field. We have to be Prince Harry in Henry V, entreating them to remember St. Crispin's Day. Once more into the breach or fill up the wall with our Raiders dead. And if we're not doing it, we're just as to blame as they yeah, are. Yeah, I've, I've, I've shattered myself horse up. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in the commentary box and I don't think Mr. Gable generally likes me doing that sort of thing. But uh, when I do get around there, I shout myself horse, as I did on the hill at Brookvale last Saturday night. But now we come to my favourite segment in the thing, What Grinds My Gears. And what grinds my gears this week is not, as you'd be surprised, not an issue at the Raiders, but an issue in rugby league in general. We have seen an explosion in the amount of penalties being awarded by the referees, and there was 33 awarded in the match between the Storm and the Sharks, and all sorts of people like Andrew Jones, Phil Gould, and Buzz Rothfield started going off about what a disgrace it was, how it was destroying the game. And my feeling about that is exactly the opposite. I think for years, the true supporters of the game, the majority of the fans, have been crying out for the wrestling to be stopped, for the off, deliberate offside to be stopped, for the hold downs to be stopped, for the hands in the play of the ball to be stopped, for the niggling little penalties that come out where the defensive sides are just trying to stop the offensive sides being offensive trying to stop them getting on any role where we might see some entertaining football. And that has been the preeminent, and it's been allowed. Now, if Todd Greenberg, as he's taken credit for it, has come out and said, I've told them to give away the penalties, there is an amazing amount of support out there for that. And what we don't need is people coming out and saying it's a bad thing. What would be a bad thing is if those penalties aren't accompanied by necessary sin bins to actually make the sides stop doing things and concentrating on it. But have you noticed in the play of the ball all the feet going on the ball like they're meant to? Not every uh, single time. Not every single time, but South, so many South more did times. did score a try where there was an incorrect play of the ball. There will always be exceptions to the rule. But in so many instances, I've been seeing incorrect play of the balls getting penalised because one of the biggest things you need to be doing in football is get up, play the ball fast, quick play the ball. But you've got to do it right. There are rules that say you've got to do it right. You can't just hurl it backwards. Yeah. You can't play it off the ground. You can't throw it between your legs. Yeah. You have to put it on the ground and play it backwards with your foot. Yeah. You know, they've taken away the thing years ago where the hooker can't strike out to try and get it back. Well, do you remember that um, in the play ball, you used to be able to strike in the play of the ball as well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some people like Benny Elias were actually quite good. Steve at... Walters was far better than Benny Elias. Yeah. Uh, Ian Roberts used to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. Prop forward, not, yeah. not even a hooker. But they've taken out the game. But my thing is, 
I'm fully in favour of Todd Green. I haven't been in favour of a lot of things he's done, but I'm fully in favour of this crackdown by Todd Greenberg. I think it needs to keep going, needs to be accompanied by sin bins to actually get a positive inflection on the game. Yep. Instead of defence ruling the game and slow down tactics and wrestling and grappling and all sorts of other mother-loving, horrid crap, sturgid rubbish that we've had in the game, taking, you know the march of what we actually want to see. You remember those times in the early 90s with the running and attacking footballs. And I'm not just talking about the Raiders at the time. I'm talking about the Cliffy Lions. I'm talking about the, the Bar Lambs. I'm talking about the Matt Sears. You know, these people, when they were in full flight, and you thought that was magnificent to watch. I want to see that again. Yeah. And the way I think we can see it again is if we stick with Todd Greenberg well, and stick worst... with the refs, with these with these penalties, with sin binnings, to open the game out and get back to what we love about it. Because it grinds my gears, it grinds my gears, that anyone would not be supporting a change like this. Well, the two things I would say, or three things I would say on that subject is, the worst thing they could do now would be to back down mm. and give in to the pressure of, of the Phil Goulds and the Buzz Rothfields. And I don't think Todd Greenberg wants to show that he's the one that runs the game mm. and not these powerful... Media types, and uh, yeah, so it would be, it would be bad to to stop it now. And also, the other thing I'd say is that you know the game that it really exploded was the um, Cronulla and and Storm game, which had the most penalties. And it's hardly surprising that those were the teams that were penalised the mm. most because if you think of two teams that have consistently bent the rules, been consistently offside, played the grubby tactics, and and stifled a team like the Raiders who mm. want to play attacking football. Mm. What's been those? It's been those two teams. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So our next segment, uh, Blake. It seems that a few weeks ago you were talking about third parties. Yes, and you've got some popular support. <laughs> well, I, I I put forward an idea on on the first episode, mm-hmm. and I had this idea that um, third parties, the way to clean up third parties would be have them all just run through the NRL directly, and. Um, not go through clubs and I would totally clean up the process. And it seems that perhaps Ben Iken is a fan of the Raiders review with Blake and the Pork and uh, he, yeah, he listens. He yeah, he listens to every week. I've talked to Benny. He listens to us every fortnight. So I'll just play this quick little clip from uh, a recent episode of NRL 360. So we shift that to the legal argument. We shift that to the NRL. So all potential sponsors of players who want to offer up third-party agreements have to go to the NRL, and the NRL then puts them in touch with the player and their agent. And what? No third-party agreements can be handled by clubs. For um, you know, people saying we can't get rid of third parties because if Powerade want to sponsor, you know, Billy Slater want to give Billy Slater fifty thousand dollars a year, mm. you know, who are we to say that he shouldn't get that money? And I agree hundred percent. Oh yeah, totally. But it's all these at the moment. A lot of these third parties are like a chief executive or a manager or whoever you know has got some mate that's going to run some money through their car dealership or something else and backhanders. And it's like the Melbourne Storm thing where the, the dodgy promoter Andrew McManus was getting paid fifty thousand dollars a game to come along and set up a you know a marquee at the games, and then he'd funnel the money back to the players. It's all that murky stuff could hopefully be gotten rid of. We do have to point out, of course, the Manly Warringah Seagulls have just been uh, dealt with quite uh, quite well, by the uh, quite fairly, when you actually look at the penalties, um, by the NRL for their uh, breaches, which were alleged to have gone through some dodgy car dealerships. Um, but, yeah, no, this would definitely take away from that, that and, and give, I think, one of the most important things about that would be to give the fans some some feeling of fairness. 
Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people want because sometimes it gets very hard to front up when you're playing a side. A, a few years ago, in, in the darker days, I believe somewhere around 2011, it might have been 2013, but basically when the Raiders weren't doing well, and we just played the doggies and got beaten um, quite badly. And Don Ferner said when I was talking to them, have a look at this. How do they have so many rep players while we've got none? You know, how, yeah. is, how is this possibly fair? And the frustration that came came from that, I remember thinking, there is this overarching feeling of how can this be fair? How can this be a level playing field when the playing fields... And, and you'll have people constantly coming out saying, oh, we manage our cap better. We're a more attractive. Oh, you had a cultural problem. You got this. Yeah. What, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And I will always say, in this case, it's the chicken with the brown paper bag in the back <laughs> of the car while you're at training. Um, well, but came is- before anything else. The pokey that, play, that pays, the house and land package of a suspiciously low price came a long way. A long way. Of course. The reason, but the reason why the Melbourne Storm got busted for the salary cap cheating is because they were owned by News Limited. So Waldron, who was chief executive had to creatively find ways to access more funds in order to direct them to the players. And in terms of salary cap cheating, when you look at the Melbourne thing, at the end of the day, they didn't really go out and sign anyone. They're a bit like the Raiders of 1991 Mm. when we got busted salary cap cheating. We developed all these really good players and then we wanted to keep them. And that's essentially what Melbourne did. So there's there's, there's two types of... of, of, And and I'll be the first to say, all, all they did in that particular sense when you actually look at what Melbourne Storm did, was try and keep what they'd actually made themselves. Yeah. And I really think there has to be concessions and a serious salary cap concessions for players that you've developed from juniors. Because when you look at it, they had Cooper Cronk, Cam Smith and Billy Slater, those big three players. Israel Flower and Greg Inglis. In their teens. In their teens. We're talking 17 and 18, they had them in their system. And if you actually ask themselves, would they have ever been the players they were without Craig Bellamy? No. So the idea that they wanted to keep them, I have complete sympathy with yeah. Do I like losing to them? No, but do I have sympathy for the fact that you should be allowed to keep what you create? So getting so what I was saying about all that sort of stuff, so Melbourne got busted because they had to do the creative accounting. If you look at some other clubs that have very rich benefactors slash owners, mm. well, they don't have to do creative accounting. If your club happened to be owned by a certain Hollywood movie star, what is to stop that Hollywood movie star taking a hundred grand out of his bank account and driving around to a player's house and just handing him a briefcase of money. So we'll never stop it completely. I can't believe the allegation you made. And I just want you to know people out there that this is, this is not an allegation that we're actually making. We don't believe that there are any Hollywood movie stars who are giving players a hundred thousand dollars. This is a hypothetical situation. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying if you had a rich benefactor, if you had. Yes, along those lines. Yeah, and if there are any Raiders fans out there who want to be rich benefactors, <laughs> please get in touch with us at Blake Napork, care of Landspeed Records, Garima Place Civic, so we can put you in touch with the players. And we are not members of the club. So please, rich benefactors, get in touch. Now, on to a new segment, and this one is called Reasons to be Cheerful. Why don't you get back into bed? Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Hit me, hit me with your cheerful stick. Cheerful stick, exactly. Right, so here are the reasons. Thank you, Mr. Jury and the Blockheads, for your wonderful introduction. Um, Here's the reasons to be cheerful, because we need reasons to be cheerful, people. One, we can't play any worse. 
I actually don't think we can play any worse than we did between minutes 8 and minutes 20, ooh, 28 of the match against Manly. I, I thought that was some of the worst football I've seen a Raiders side well, play. we had experience. none of the ball. We had absolutely none of the ball. And that's the thing about football momentum. And there was a reason for that because we couldn't tackle. Yes. Tackling The floodgates literally opened. And, and although in the past we've looked at times weak on the left yeah. and at times weak on the right, for that period of the game we looked like just a sieve just with holes everywhere. Well, in fairness, I thought the right-hand side um, of uh, Whitehead, um, Leilua and Rapana looked a whole lot better than the other side yeah. of the field. Yeah, and you, you're being cheerful about that, so you found another. You found I, another. Found, I did find a reason to be cheerful there. Second reason to be cheerful, Ricky has run the changes. He hasn't, as other people have said before, just come out with the same thing and said, we've got to hang tough, the boys are hurt. And he's come out and said, I'm ashamed, you should be embarrassed to be The press conference, jumpers. I mean, it was, it was good that he came out and said something different mm. from his, his standard mm. line at the press conference. But what he said was a bit weird. It wasn't totally coherent. He said repeated many times oh, come on. that if the your players side, were soft. If your side had just got thumped by that and you had to sit in front of people and justify it when you basically wanted to punch hole through walls, like I'm sure Ricky did. Ricky is a passionate man. I know this won't take many of his prize, but he's a passionate man. He wants to win worse than any of us do. And you know, listeners out there, how badly you want to win because I know how badly I do. Well, take all our wanting to win. Put it all together in a bottle, make it angry, shake it up, smash it against the wall so it escapes, and then you've got an idea of where Ricky wants to win in this. He wants to win bad. Because what he said at the press conference was, there's no point in dropping anyone, mm. which didn't make any sense to me. Because someone said, are you going to make changes? Are you going to drop people? What's the point in me dropping anyone if they're going to play like that? What the hell does that even mean? Well, look, you're asking, again, you're asking for, for a rationality in a situation of extreme passion. He's rung the changes. Papa is out. The highest paid player who's not injured this present stage at the club, the showpiece, the jewel Meninga, you know, the, the Cody yeah. Meninga medalist from 2016, has been dropped. He has sent out the biggest message. Blake Austin, one of the, one of the talisman players. So what this tells me dropped. is that probably both those guys aren't going to be at the club next year. Well, who knows whether they're going to be at the club. What I do know is they're both not going to be on the field on Thursday night against the Bulldogs. And, and if, they weren't, if they were thinking about maybe leaving the club, do you think this is probably just like this has hastened their exit? I wouldn't even start to consider that yet. While June 30 is still there and, and transfers can happen, at this present stage, they made it very clear at the beginning of the season, players would be re-signed and prioritised on form. And at this present stage, would you be prioritising Josh Papali? I still would. Well, at the start of the, at our I first podcast, would I would absolutely at, not. At our first podcast, you said that he was our most important player, our most vital player to be resigned. And four weeks later, you're just ready to get rid of him. Yep, because he has been the player that has absolutely not delivered. He has looked fat. He's looked unfit. He's missed tackles. He's barely bent the line. Um, he's dropped balls. This wouldn't be though the first season he's had a slow start, and then this is a the slow season. start. This is a player to me who is. Almost not interested. Yeah. Almost not interested, and that is. Well, not maybe he's decided that he is already leaving, and he has checked out. And in which case, yeah, well, uh, I, then I think there's issues there. I don't want to really delve into about them. what yeah, they yeah. particularly are, but hopefully, Papa takes this dropping, absolutely goes and murders people, and finds his mojo, murders some people playing for the Mounties, then comes back the following week, 
and says, I'm back, I'm Josh Papali, and have a look at Big Papa, because that's what we all want to see. And if the only way we can get that is by dropping him, great. And the reason to be cheerful is because he has been dropped. So maybe, maybe we can get our Papa back. And that's well, I, I certainly want. didn't pick that dropping. There were a number of players I, I thought I that were, for his heads were on the chopping block. They're, they're and I would have thought that Sam Williams and Luke Bateman would have got chopped well before. Completely and utterly disagree with you about Luke Bateman. He may not be the flashiest or the best player, but my God, there's the effort. The effort. Yeah, but uh, you know, I would try really hard if I was out there too. I would yeah, give yeah. absolutely everything. Yeah, but he is actually trying. He is not one of the players who's the problem. He is really giving. He's I think not. he's just too small in the modern era. I think he's too small to play lock. Look, uh, I don't know what he's no about question. What, there are a few other players who are lucky not to be dropped. I do not think that he's in there. If you look at locks, though, in the modern era, right? So mm. that so that your traditional lock is your Sean Fenson, mm. is your Dallas Johnson, etc., etc. Little bloke makes a lot of tackles, bust mm. bust his backside. They've been replaced. The modern lock now is is like your third big, fast, fit, you know, prop with a with a good motor, like a Sam Burgess type. I just don't I just don't think there's a place for the Luke Batemans. Of this world anymore. I completely disagree with you. I thought, I'm going to stop short of calling you an idiot, all right? Because I respect you so much. <laughs> but I completely, That's I completely disagree with you. Now, the last reason I have, uh, no, I have two more reasons to be cheerful. Um, so it's not uh, three reasons to be cheerful, as Ian Jury so well put it. But yet to play Craig Garvey and Brad Abbey, I think there's a lot of hope that those two players. But this is the through. thing we're ringing the changes this week. And, 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 and I think there's and, only so many changes you can make. I would have liked to see that too. But, but every week I'm, I'm expecting that Craig Garvey is going to be named on the bench. Or I if not on the bench, of, even starting hooker and Havili coming off the bench. Yeah, and I agree with that. I would love to see that too. But the thing is, Ricky's making changes. And we've got to back those up. Austin was a fixture in the side. Papali's a fixture in the sides. They're not in there. So he's, he's not been scared to make big changes. And the last reason to be cheerful is that June 30 is yet to arrive. And in the time, players can leave and open up salary cap and other players can come in. And not that I can say too much, but I know that there are definitely things being talked about to get players into the club within that time. Whether or not it happens is another matter. Um, Baptiste. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to jettison some pretty high-playing, high-profile players. Totally. To bring in someone. I completely agree. But at this present stage... Josh Papali to the Titans before June 30. Is that a possibility? I would say if Josh Papali was going anywhere before June 30, it would probably be the Brisbane Broncos. Would be my guess if I was guessing. But I, I wouldn't want to hazard a guess because at this stage, he's signed to the Canberra Age the end yep. of the season. And while he's been dropped, that doesn't mean he's dead to us. No, that no, no. It just means he needs to go find some I would form. see him going to the Broncos, but then I'm just thinking if he would go before June 30, the Titans do actually have a fair bit of salary cap space. Oh, I think we've seen the Broncos make salary cap space when they need it. And I think they can do it again. It's amazing people get homesick and want to go home. It's amazing how these things happen. I've always found it's, it's quite, quite amazing. But yeah, so what I'm saying, people out there, is there are reasons to be cheerful. Rather than looking at which players you would drop, what I want to do is reverse that and focus on the players that we think we wouldn't drop and are doing their job. Now, we go from the back forward, Jack Whiten. Has been playing great football. Probably his best football at fullback since he's gone there. Which is a 
bit of a shame that we could be losing him very soon. Now, now, now. For an extended period. Innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> allegations, allegations. Nick Kotrick, although not having quite the impact he had last season, is still trying his guts still out. Still very doing, good. Doing really well, thank you very much. He's still, how old is he? Still, is he even 20 yet? Or is he only just turned? Oh, I don't think he, he might have just turned 20. He's a massive lad, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And that try he scored um, on oh, the weekend against unbelievable. was a, a lot of strength in that. Jordan Rapiner is still yeah. doing brilliantly. There's My favourite no player. No way in the world you'd drop him. He's he's one of the best wingers, if not the best winger in the game right now. That's up against some really great... I still think he's the best. Oh, well, he, I still he, think he's, he's the best. definitely up there. Um, uh, then you go um, through to the forwards, Elliot Whitehead. Yes. No way in the world to drop him. Joe Tarpano, we saw the effect on what happened when he was. If Jerry Croker were not captain, would his head also be on the chopping block? I think possibly yes. I don't mm. think he's had a great start to the season at all. Mm. He's looked almost physically like the game has passed him by a little bit. Mm. He looks like he's been, when he's run up against, you know, some bigger opposite numbers. They've really made a beeline at him, and he's 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 struggled at times. And his defending second row out there that's meant to be giving him a lot of help is Josh Papali, and he hasn't been getting a lot of help. And I think this weekend he's going to have uh, Elliot Whitehead out there with him, and I think he's going to get a lot of help. And when he gets a lot of help, let's see how much better he plays. So football is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. And when all the cogs are working properly, I think you'll find he fires a lot better. Elliot Whitehead's going to be on that side. There's going to be a lot better defence on that side. Nick Kotrick certainly isn't a shrinking violent defence. I think Jared Croker... I would, but I would almost put, consider swapping Kotrick and uh, and Croker and actually having Croker on the wing and having Kotrick in the centre because then he's going to be less of a target for big blokes to run at. We know, you know, defensively, he's very strong. Well, I mean, these are all things. But at this present stage, Ricky's ring, is ringing changes. That might be too many at this present stage. So you've got Elliot and Tarpano who you wouldn't drop. Boyd and Junior Paulo who you wouldn't drop. And C.S. Oliola who you wouldn't drop. So there's, there's Joe, a, did you say Tarpano? Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of players in there that I think are actually performing quite well. The issue is the bits around them. And now it's probably an appropriate time to get to this week's questions. And uh, this week coming to us for questions uh, is Craig Norenberg's, the legendary broadcaster yes. and, and great Canberra Rage fan, currently based in New Zealand, asks who will, full, full, uh, who will go into the fullback position if Whiten is out? And what do you think about it, Blake? Well, the two um, main choices you would think, well, actually there's three potential ones. Um, the person I would like to have seen, you know, when, when I was questioning Jack Whiten's form at the start of this season before we even kicked off and mm. towards the end last year, I would have liked to have seen how Nick Kotrick would go at fullback. Mm. Um, so that's definitely one option. The other option is, of course, Brad Abbey, mm. who we signed from the from the Bulldogs. Yep. And the third one um, is Blake Austin, who, you know, many people would think would be quite well suited to the fullback role. And has played fullback before. He played a lot number of positions at the Tigers. Mm. But fullback definitely was one of them. And I remember seeing him there and thinking they went pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But I should stress, I don't think Jack White's going to be out. I think he's going to be fine. Our next question is from Orion Gillard, Gilby Gillard, Twitter handle. You should all follow him. He's a very amusing man. Why is the defensive line speed so bad, Blake? I blame at the moment. I mean, it's always been an issue for us. Occasionally, there was... a Brief period when we went on that great run in 2016 mm. where, oh my God, we actually seemed to know how to defend. Mm. Mm. And I we had this that. line speed. That and there was that game at uh, Bruce Stadium where we beat the Storm 
and we freezing. had a freezing cold and we had terrific line speed, brilliant goal line defense. And I was like, this is fantastic. But then it just seems to evade us line speed. And, mm. and I do wonder at the moment is, um, you know, is it the lack of Josh Hodgson in the middle? Is he the one that's normally barking the orders and leading the line? Yeah, maybe. It's a, it's a great question. I don't know where the line speed has gone either. I'd love to see it return. I would love to see it return there. There is a, a thing with the Brisbane Broncos in the last couple of seasons have actually been one of the biggest metre-conceding sides. But what they've decided is they don't actually care about the metres they give just as long as the line doesn't break. Yeah. So the way they do things is they don't advance. It might be something to do with that, but instead of stopping them and not letting them through, we're letting them through as well. Yes. So, um, that, that, there has that, been, they ha- that ha- theory has been put up that we're really concentrating and more staying in line. But, I mean, line speed's been a massive problem. And if you look at the back end of... Uh, the game against the Warriors, we just let them march up the field mm. two times for yeah, two yeah. Johnson field goals. I was there. I saw it. I saw it. I don't think I need to be reminded of it. I think it's very rude that you did. Okay, Matt Cleary, the legendary journalist and uh, former um, uh, boy from Melrose High, writes: uh, Do the players like playing with or for each other? What's your vibe? Well, I mean, it's one of those things when things when teams are going well, everyone's your mate, everyone's mm. getting on really well. You know, a great yeah, bunch yeah. of lads. And as soon as things start um, falling apart, I think people start looking for others to blame. And uh, I, yeah, I, you, you sense that there is some disunity in the team. I mean, last year we saw it, obviously, with, with Blake Austin and uh, Leipana. Mm. And then Austin was actually moved to the other side of the field. Mm. Mm. So he wouldn't be working with those guys anymore. So I, I think there's definitely issues there. But I mean, I'm sure it's there's... It's out of I'm, frustration rather than anything endemic, surely. Well, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I'm sure Parramatta's going through exactly the same thing. And, well, and, if, and I'm if sure... anyone saw that clip of Mitch Moses... Um, yes, I heard that clip. ...swearing at his, uh, his player to get up, uh, quite emphatically, as it turns out. You can see there's a, a few issues there, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of passion in the game. No, and I'm sure St. George at the moment, they're probably, and the Warriors, have never got on better. So it re- really, I think that sort of stuff does um, mm. come from how you're travelling. Wanda, Fishy Wanda on Twitter, follower, give her a follow, Wanda, um, ask, defence has not improved in the off-season in spite of the fact that we were told, and she said specifically at the season launch, that they'd identified defensive frailties and worked on them so they wouldn't be. Um, she wants to know what's being done to fix um, the defensive frailties and is there trouble behind the scenes? Um, well, I think... To be to fix the problems, they've been dropping people who haven't been making their tackles. Well, Sam Williams is is a protected species then because he's the worst defender probably in the NRL, and he's still there. Look, Sammy is just the loveliest guy. Just... Doesn't matter if he's a lovely guy. He can't tackle. He's not up to NRL standard defence. He's just he's just not he's just not up to it. I want to believe in Sam. I want to give him a chance. But at the end of the day, he's got been out of the clubs. He couldn't cut it there. I think there's a few couple of players that is just not up to it, and and Sam Williams is is leading it. There are many reasons why I'm not a selector or a coach in the side. Many, many reasons, um, and one right down the end of the list of this is that I would have a great time dropping people who I really, really like. And I've got to tell you, Sam Williams is one stellar, stellar dude. Um, but I think dropping Papali sent a big message to people, make your damn tackles, show some effort, get involved, put your head in the damn game. I think the other concern, though, um, was Dean Pay was our coach, a, a defensive coach, mm. and we didn't really replace him in any big way. We promoted Brett White from within, and then suddenly I read some report that 
Brett White was the um, was now going to be the attacking coach, and I was like, Brett White's the attacking coach, and then Crawley is now in charge of defence, who was previously our attacking mastermind. So I I think we messed up there. I think we should have gone out into the market, splashed a bit of cash, and got a defensive coach with some chops. All right, you're listening to this, Don Ferner Jr. You hear what Blake says? You got to splash some cash. See before June 30th, possibly. Uh, a lot of movement in the market for the Raiders where they're going to be looking at what players they can bring in and what players they can ship out. Well, you know, there's, there's this quote I've always heard. that it, I think it's in, it's this, in China, there's a word and it means both crisis and opportunity. And I think yes, that's crisis-tunity. Crisis-tunity. <laughs> I think that's where we're at right now. So sometimes you have to hit rock bottom and sometimes there is an upside mm. of hitting rock bottom. Mm. And if you look at teams like the New, Newcastle Knights... Mm. ending up with a whole swathe of players off contract and they let them all go, let the contracts run out and all of a sudden you've got a lot of money to spend in your cap to go out and sign replacements. Mm. And that's kind of where we're potentially at because we're thinking Papali's not going to be around. We're thinking Blake Austin's not going to be around. Mm-hmm. We're thinking uh, Aiden Caesar's potentially not going to be around. Like none of them are re-signed yet. And we're also thinking that Junior Paulo may go back to Parramatta because Parramatta desperately need a big prop. Mm. Of the big name players that are off contract, the only one I'm really confident is going to stick around is Shannon Boyd. I just can't see him leaving mm. leaving the Raiders. But we're talking about at least $2 million in the salary cap right there. Potentially, potentially. Look, Peter Mulholland is in charge of the recruiting and he's going to be making decisions. I know... They are definitely looking at their long-term options. They've been saying that. They were, they haven't been in a rush to sign anyone. They said they were going to re-sign on performances. Um, clearly, there's been some performances right down. So one can only assume from that that they're going to be looking around. And we have to put some faith in that leadership. I'm actually going to say that's not $2 million. That's probably $2.5 million. So you could replace He's those... Done some quick sums there, please. You could replace those four players with two players on a $1 million each. Yeah. And another couple of handy, you know, $250,000 players. It's just a matter of who we can get, who's available. I mean, you look on the off-contract list, there's not many players off-contract. But as we've seen in recent times, the majority of the players moving, whether it's your Matt Moylans or whoever else, Hmm. are not actually, um, you know, they're moving mid-contract. There's swap deals, there's all sorts of stuff going on. I think everyone knows that contracts are not necessarily worth the paper they're printed on until June 30 has passed and uh, the end of the season comes. Uh, and that's the point they come. There's only one period of the year where contracts are set in stone. That's when no one can move. Now, uh, before we sign off on uh, this episode of the Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork, there has been something you have been dying to play for the first two episodes. Um, and you keep on cutting it off. For I've been chance. cutting it off because, quite frankly, uh, I think it sucks. <laughs> I think it's best left to the uh, annals of history and preferably the dusty ones that don't get unearthed. But well, you want to play out this week's in, episode. In, in, yeah, it's it's optimistic. It reminds me of a simpler time, a happier time. <laughs> After the first episode, a number of the, the listeners to the show, friends of mine who are considerably younger than myself, yeah. um, asked about this song because I talked about the song. I hadn't actually ever got to hear it. So we're going to close this week with the original and I think the best Canberra Raiders theme song, We Are the Canberra Raiders. Canberra Raiders.